Hello, and welcome to the Physiatry Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Avi Ramchandani. Today, we're going to be talking about COVID long haulers. This is season two, episode number six. Please rate and review this podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on, whether it's iTunes, Podcast Addict, etc. Please review this podcast for me and give me five stars if you don't mind. That would be wonderful and get me a little bit higher in the ratings. I did mention COVID long haulers in the last podcast a little bit, but today we're really going to be focusing on rehabilitation of COVID long haulers, where people are going and what they're doing for them. Thank you so much for listening again. And this is podcast number six, season two. I know everybody's tired of listening about COVID, but there are many people that are still suffering from this horrible disease in which 20 million infections have happened and more than 500,000 deaths have happened in the United States alone. Globally, we've had about 2 million deaths of COVID since this pandemic started. And really, when it started was a mysterious coronavirus-related pneumonia was reported in the Wuhan province in January of 2020, and it could have stemmed from a new coronavirus. There were 59 cases on January 9th, 2020. Can you imagine just a little bit more than a year ago? This was a very unknown disease, and now it's really taken over the world. On January 21st, 2020, that was when the first case of COVID was actually diagnosed in the United States, and then a Chinese scientist confirmed that COVID-19 had human transmission on January 21st. On January 23rd, Wuhan was under quarantine and 13 people had died, additional 300 were sickened. Can you imagine that? At that time, January 23rd, 2020, there were only 300 people or a little bit more than that, that we knew that were diseased with COVID. Now, at that time, China completely blocked off Wuhan to the rest of the population, even though we know now that it had spread beyond Wuhan and throughout China and probably throughout the world already. On February 2nd, global air travel was restricted on 5 p.m. Sunday. Those en route to the United States have to have left China or they were able to or they had to face a two week homebound quarantine. If you can imagine, February 2nd was already too late. It was already throughout the world. This COVID was spread. On February 3rd, uh, former President Trump declared public health emergency and there were about 9,800 cases of the virus at that point and 200 deaths. February 10th, China's COVID-19 deaths exceeded those of the cars or the SARS crisis, which happened several years earlier. On February 25th, CDC mentioned that this may be a pandemic. And on March 11th, it was finally a pandemic. Here's the thing. When did you really know this was going to be different? When I went to Hawaii early March, I was kind of poo-pooing the whole thing in the sense that I was like, huh, this is different, but I didn't think it was going to be that different. So I was in Hawaii. I think I went there on March 5th and came back on March 8th. Soon after that, the next week after that, I knew this was going to be different as it was a pandemic. And I actually started calling patients that week instead of having them coming to clinic. 
And March 17th, CMS expanded the telehealth rule, and we finally were able to bill for having patients not come into the office, and it was quite, quite different from then on. And if you remember the first days of this pandemic, we were all kind of poo-pooing it in the sense that we were thinking that this was something like the SARS virus where it's going to be contained and it's not going to come over here. But then again, it became very, very different. March 19th, soon, right after all this happened, California issued a statewide stay-at-home order and we had the beginning of significant, significant restrictions for COVID-19 and this virus. And at the end of March, then the Senate passed and Trump signed the CARES Act into law. And soon enough after that, we found March 30th, there was the authorization of the use of hydroxychloroquine. On March 31st, an interesting story came out, and this is Weird, but on March 31st, COVID-19 was found to be transmitted through the eye. And this was in a ophthalmology article from JAMA. Soon enough, there was issues with a COVID cocktail, including hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. And there was studies that showed that this did not help people recover in covid and then there were lots of COVID-19 symptoms that were not known of, and there were treatments for patients in COVID-19, and we didn't know how to make them recover because this was a brand new disease and still is a quite new. Now let's talk a little bit about the COVID-19 long haulers. A recent CBS News article quoted a surgeon from Texas Tech University in Texas who stated that the lungs from people with COVID-19 that have recovered have actually had much worse lungs and even smokers lungs and the recovery takes longer. In fact, they may have permanent scarring in their lungs because of the severity of the COVID-19 pneumonia that they've gone through. Like I briefly mentioned in the last podcast, the common COVID-19 symptoms of long haulers include coughing, ongoing, sometimes debilitating fatigue, body aches, joint pain, shortness of breath, loss of taste and smell. This may actually happen even after, or maybe a long-term thing, after COVID-19 has resolved, difficulty sleeping, headaches, and brain fog. There is a disease that's very similar to COVID-19 long hauling, and that's what's called chronic fatigue syndrome or myalgic encephalomyelitis. And this is a long-term thing that happens after someone gets a virus or some sort of cold. And this can happen in very young people. In fact, there are 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds that develop this syndrome, which seems quite similar to something like a fibromyalgia or even like a Lyme disease that happens after getting Lyme. We don't even know exactly why this happens, but it's an ongoing, probably low-level inflammation in the brain, an autoimmune condition in which the body actually attacks the brain or antibodies attack the brain, a decreased blood flow to the brain due to abnormalities in the autonomic nervous system, or difficulty making enough energy molecules to satisfy the needs of the body and the brain. This myalgic encephalitis or chronic fatigue syndrome is a serious chronic complex syndrome that can profoundly affect lives of patients. It affects up to two and a half million people in the United States and generates indirect and indirect expenses of 17 to 24 
billion dollars annually. This is something that actually happens to many patients in pain. They have pain associated with this uh, fibro fog or just just chronic fatigue type syndrome and seems very similar to what's going on with COVID-19. Before we get more into COVID-19 long haulers, let me just talk about what happened in 1918 in the H1 influenza pandemic and a similar condition called encephalitis lethargica. This was a condition that leaves patients in an almost vegetative state after having the flu virus. And this happened quite a bit in the 1918 H1N1 influenza pandemic. Now, after this, we've had several other outbreaks which have caused a similar COVID-19 post hauler or post long hauler or a uh, chronic fatigue syndrome type syndrome that happened in fact in 1985 in Incline Village Nevada or sorry November 1984 in Incline Nevada and when CDC actually had a request to investigate a mysterious disease outbreak there in, in Nevada and what happened was a bunch of people developed this fatigue possibly related to Epstein-Barr virus, which is a different type of virus that really causes a flu-like syndrome, kind of similar to COVID-19, but uh, this seems to be a lot less uh, severe. And what happened then was these, pa- these people developed chronic fatigue syndrome and were exhausted for a long time. And we don't know exactly why it happened. We couldn't actually find Epstein-Barr virus at the time because these patients got better and continue to have fatigue syndrome after this. Now, what happened after that was that many of these patients developed a fatigue syndrome and people were not buying into it or kind of poo-pooing it. And this is something that I think a lot of people do with COVID-19 or the COVID-19, post-COVID-19 fatigue syndrome, whatever it may be called in the future. And people are very dismissive of this condition and it is actually something that can be quite disabling because many people say oh you just need to go exercise or oh you need to go do this or that and when someone goes and exercises or does something more they actually develop more issues with their fatigue which is similar to something like multiple sclerosis in ms we tell patients that guess you know you should not work to fatigue because if you work to fatigue your MS symptoms can get worse or your fatigue can get worse so it is very important to think about that and very important to think about these patients with chronic fatigue syndrome coming from COVID-19 and how much exercise they need to do they should not exercise too much should not exercise to the point of fatigue because then they will actually have more symptoms of the chronic fatigue syndrome and the brain fog Interestingly, with chronic post-SARS syndrome, now, this is something else that happened in 2011. If I go back to this other pandemic that happened in 2011, in China, there was actually an outbreak in Toronto where there were 44 people that died, 273 people got ill. They found 21 patients that actually, or 22 patients that developed SARS-like issues, and they compared these patients with fibromyalgia and their problems exactly were the same. In fact, after they had SARS, they had clear x-rays and their lab tests were negative, but they developed this chronic fatigue syndrome afterwards. 
So many of the people with COVID long haul syndrome are not people that got very sick. They may actually be people that are very sick initially and just get a mild COVID-like syndrome. Now, people that did get very sick, they also have to go through lots of different things as far as recovery from COVID because they're intubated in the ICU for weeks to months or whatever it may be. They will have a long-term recovery, which may include the recovery from their pulmonary status where they have to do significant pulmonary rehabilitation as well as physical rehabilitation because they are so weak after staying in the ICU or wherever they may be and disabled and, you know, in the hospital and they need to restore the function to their muscles, reduce the likelihood of mental health conditions that may occur because of their limited mobility, enable people that may enable people to return to their normal lives. And physical therapists can help with changing their positions in bed, performing passive joint motion, teaching stretches. And when they leave the hospital, they may do some aerobic exercises, low intensity resistance training and balance training. Uh, training. Now, one of the things with long hauls are that physical therapy may also be beneficial because they can actually reduce the amount of exercise being done or limit it to a certain point and avoid going to that point of exertional fatigue. There's also something called pulmonary rehabilitation where patients have reduced lung function during COVID-19 and Pulmonary rehabilitation, which includes a respiratory therapist and possibly a physical therapist. And this helps with reducing shortness of breath, improving lung capacity, managing respiratory complications, reducing the impact of respiratory symptoms on mental health. And this may be done by training someone to adjust their breathing rhythm, techniques to strengthen breathing muscles, and how to get rid of lung secretions. Remember that COVID-19 may also affect patients' brains and those people with COVID may develop memory problems, concentration issues, brain fog, dramatic mood changes, a loss of taste or smell. And these patients require significant rehabilitation as far as their cognition goes. And what can happen is speech and language therapy can help with all these different things, include helping with their thinking and helping with their brain fog and helping with all sorts of other stuff as well with COVID-19. So if you or someone else that you know has had COVID-19 or COVID-19 long haul syndrome, there are several rehabilitation centers, including a COVID-19 follow-up clinic at the University of San Francisco or University of California, San Francisco, COVID-19 rehab recovery program at the Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan, the post-COVID assessment and recovery clinic at the Penn Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the Center for Post-COVID Care at the Mount Sinai Health System in New York City. These are just a few. There are many other areas. There are also support groups for COVID patients, including the Body Politic COVID-19 Support Group, COVID-19 Support on Facebook, Survivor Corps, a non-profit that runs a Facebook group, Long COVID Support, which is another Facebook group. There are all sorts of other online resources and tools that you may use for COVID-19 recovery and just for ideas as far as how to recover from COVID-19, including the information on the CDC website, which I've used extensively during this podcast. 
And even though that COVID-19 has gotten better over the last few weeks, and we've had much less as far as disease burden here in the United States, it is not over. We have not vaccinated enough people to have herd immunity as of yet, although at some point, maybe we will. We are still working on trying to get the vaccines distributed. We do have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that is out now and trying to get that up to everybody. I think that within the next couple months, we should have pretty much everybody that wants to be vaccinated, vaccinated. And I think this will be a huge change in people's aspects, especially if we can get the people that are most vulnerable to be vaccinated, we will actually develop a system where people may still get sick from COVID-19, but not get as sick as they were before. And this will become a huge thing as far as long-term COVID-19 outlooks. And we might actually make this more like a minor disease and a lot more openings may happen at that point. I do want to make a point for patients with fibromyalgia and this COVID-19 long hauler syndrome. I think that there are very, very similar uh, syndromes and we haven't found out enough about fibromyalgia. And I think that there is some sort of virus or something else, a trigger that causes inflammation within the body that causes fibromyalgia. We still don't know too much about fibromyalgia. But I think the research will be there and we will find out a lot more about fibromyalgia here in the next few years as we have these patients with COVID-19 and COVID-19 long haul syndrome and the similarities to that and fibromyalgia are, are there. In any case, thank you for listening to the Physiatry Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. I'm going to be taking next week off and work on a different podcast called the Pandemic Podcast. Please go ahead and subscribe to that as well. If you enjoy this, you might enjoy that. Next week, we're going to be talking a little bit more about pandemics. Thank you and have a wonderful couple weeks. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.